Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball. Baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. All right. There's no one I'd rather have on right now than Charlie Culberson. Nobody. Hey, Charlie, how are you? I'm I'm good, Rob. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me today. This will be fun. Uh, it's it's always a, always a great great way to start any day. Um, just to start talk about the great game of baseball, and uh, we had never met up until now, but still, I I followed your career. Um, I followed the news over the off season. We're going to get to that about pitching, and um, and I just. I just feel like there's that you're a guy without knowing you. You're a guy who would have a great answer to the question we always ask uh, a lot of newcomers to the podcast, which is simply, Charlie, why isn't baseball boring? Because you know, hmm. no wrong answer, and there's so many different answers. But I feel like you would have a good one because I, I believe that you. Maybe I. I, mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you know. But I do believe you probably think baseball isn't boring, right? No, it's a good, good, uh, good question. Um, it's something that, you know, I started as a five-year-old kid and I'm almost 35 and I'm still able to play. I think for kids to be able to grow up, um, and have a career in something that they just started doing it for fun, like that's pretty impressive. And then nowadays with how great some of the players are, um, you just get wowed every single day with something new and then the excitement it brings for families. Um, you know, for my kids to watch games, to come to the park and watch me play and <clears throat> excuse me, just the, the crowds it brings and the memories that it makes um, for every person involved. I mean, it's just, again, it's, I, I feel like the games and the players are getting better. Um and it just brings more excitement to 
to everything about it. So it's, I think it's a pretty broad question. Um, it is, it is, but there's no, this is the, this is, first of all, that's a really good answer. Second of all, there's no wrong answer. And, right. and it can be, a, it can be a ton of different stuff. I mean, we've had a million different, including, you know, the commissioner of baseball talking. It's like everybody, everybody has something. And, and you had mentioned little league, starting with five, you said five-year-old or whatever you were. Yeah. Right? So I have to ask. So whatever time I think of Little League, I think of, hey, were you the kid in right field? Because right field, like in the major leagues, right field is a premier position. In Little League, it's the opposite of the premier position, right? <laughs> so Yeah, there's a, there's a reason why they put four kids in the outfield uh, up to a certain age because <laughs> one of them – at, at, at an earlier age is probably picking picking grass and flowers and not yeah, paying attention. He's the one who he's the one who's gonna be a, a trillionaire in, in uh in buying the teams. Um, exactly. But uh when you were when you were cruising through Little League, were you the I would imagine you were were you the shortstop pitcher, um every that that sort of guy, the guy that that basically, hey, you know what, if put it this way, in baseball, I say if you you don't run isolations for outfielders, you know it's a nine player thing. But in a little league, it's kind of like you run isolations for outfielders. So were you the guy who yeah. played shortstop and pitched and did, did everything? Yeah, I honestly think now thinking back to it, I think I did play outfield to start. Did you? So I thought they got played outfield to start, but then I got to an age where our coaches made us play every position. We didn't – yeah, if you were the best shortstop, yeah, you might have played shortstop more or the best infielder, but they made us play every position on certain teams. It was yeah. – we rotated. And that way everybody knew how to play every position and it made us learn the game better too. So wow. I think that was pretty pretty cool. I was pretty fortunate to have played on really good teams as, at a young age to just understand baseball. And that way we, we weren't kind of – secluding ourselves to just one position at a young age. I'm going to be honest with you, Charlie. I don't think that's a terrible idea for spring training. Like, I don't think that's a ter- – for a major league team, I don't think that's a terrible idea. Just, like, pick one game where – and maybe maybe it's, you know, before you start the, your Grapefruit League action or whatever it is, maybe it's inner squad. I don't think that's a terrible idea because you said it. It's having the idea of where everybody is. Maybe – I don't know. Maybe – but maybe I'm just Yeah, I mean I think No, yeah, I mean it, it it does sound pretty cool. I think once you get older and you have say for the Braves, for instance, I'm not sure if I think Matt Olson would love to go over there and play shortstop um an inning or two or maybe get get out in the outfield. But I think with some of the these guys and their contracts now and they probably would rather keep them at their spot. Um I think Austin Riley, he's played shortstop some and Definitely in the shift, when they saw the shift, he was able to play that position really well. Um, but, yeah, as a kid, it was like we would go from third to short to left to the bench, back to third, and then the same thing on the right side of the field. Everyone would just kind of rotate. So it was really cool. But then you sat on the bench, too, and it kind of broke it up to where you could understand and see, like, how it was to not play for an inning. But everyone – kind of got that turn it was awesome man i like it i, I don't know the georgia little yeah. league right well look let's give them a shout out what what little league was that well 
We kind of started that um, with one of my travel ball teams when I was 10 down in uh, Woolsey, Georgia. We were the Woolsey Wizards. Oh. And that was just something that our my dad and the other coaches did. Well, I want to give a huge shout out to the Woolsey Wizards <laughs> because that's that's an awesome idea. So it leads me to which was your favorite position? If you now that you did it all right, and and I'm slow and I'm slowly easing into these this this other conversation. But what was your favorite position that you remember? Um. As a little kid, I caught a lot once we started playing travel baseball. And so I think catching was just so cool that because you kind of had control of the game with the pitcher. When kids got on base, like you were able to control the running game. And when you threw somebody out, there was just something that was, I don't know, empowering about being able to like, you know, not let the guy steal the base. So I think, um, I think catcher and playing center, center field, you're in the outfield, you kind of relax and you see the whole game you see everything coming coming at you the angles are easier than left and right um so i think everything up the middle was probably a little bit more fun for me what was the last when's the last time you caught Ooh, i think the last time i caught i was probably 12 years old maybe okay i didn't know if you had you were like you know how they the broadcast whenever it gets a little thin everyone's like okay who's the third string catcher I was always that guy at the big league level. Were you? And just yeah. because, just because you could, could do a lot of different things, not because they knew you about knew about you as a twelve year old catcher or anything. Yeah, and you're if you're the utility guy, if I'm the guy that's backing up everyone in the infield and outfield, and then you only have two catchers. If one gets hurt, like that's the guy that typically will put on the catcher's gear. And I finally end up getting a whole set of gear, and I had my catcher's mitt. I had everything, and then there was a few games. Um, when I was in Atlanta, the first first go around, where the guy our catchers got hurt, and one of them, Tyler Flowers, stuck it out from like the fourth inning on. Um, probably should have came out of the game, but he knew that it was going to be my first time catching in twenty years, and I would have had to have caught over half the game. So that was uh, it. Would have been fun. One inning would have been okay, but catching over half the game would have been a little nerve wracking. So. My biggest takeaway, you said you got you you got the gear, you got your own gear, your own mitt. Yeah, oh. so I have I've, I've used Rawlings for you know so many years now and one year I just ordered an extra catcher's mitt just to have. And at the time Tyler Flowers, you know, he has his own catching gear and his own company. And so he ended up just giving me an extra set. Um, and I think Brian McCann gave me an extra set when I got to playing him, with him in 2019. So I think I, I think I still have two sets in the garage. Oh, man. Um, how many gloves do you just have? Just in case. How many gloves? Like how many different? Do you have a first baseman's glove? Yeah, yeah. So when I'm when I was playing as a utility player, I mean, I brought every glove down with me: a first baseman's mitt, an infield glove, an outfield glove. I've had a pitcher's glove for a while. And then I would always leave my catcher's mitt just in the back with all the extra catcher stuff. So I brought four gloves with me, and I'd always had a routine where I kind of set things out, put my bats down, put my batting gloves. Everything is where I, in a place where I knew I, I had it. Um, that way, if I forgot something, and if it wasn't there, I knew to go get it. But I had a routine, so I had four gloves. All right. So now you only have one glove. 
Right? You have one glove. You're bringing one. I'm glove? still going to bring all the other ones. You're going to bring all the other ones. All right. Okay. No, I'm going to. I'm going to bring them all. All right. Yeah, I have to. I have to. Just. I mean, listen. I mean, if if. All right. Well, we'll, we'll get. Let, let's get to this. Let's get to the, your decision. Yeah. You want to become a pitcher. Uh, you're trying. You correct me if I say anything wrong. So I apologize. Okay. Um. First of all, if you don't hit again in the major leagues. You can tell your kids, your grandkids, everybody, your last year you hit a thousand, correct? Exactly. One for one. That was the hardest guy to get out in baseball last year. (laughs) Exactly. And I mean, talk about like talk about a mic drop. But so when you went when did when did it start coming into your psyche um that I think that this is a route I want to go, which is trying to become a pitcher. And again, if, if if this anything is wrong, just let me know because I'm just we haven't talked or anything like this. But I, I assume that you're going into spring training wanting to be a pitcher. You said you're going to bring all these gloves, but still, this is a priority. So if that is the case, when did that sort of uh, start the process? Yeah, I think um, I think things change for everybody's career at at some point, right? Um, we obviously want to play as long as we can. And see how things play out. Um, well, this past year, I was able to sign back with the Braves. You know, I had a couple stints with the with the big league team here in Atlanta, and you know, everybody knows their team is stacked. And I had one plate appearance, played plate appearance, played one time, in, in a little over two months. And so when they took me back off the roster and went back to Gwinnett, I talked to Anthopolis. I said, "Hey, listen, Alex. You know, I understand the situation. This and that." Um, what if I try to pitch? What if I go down to Gwinnett and work on pitching? And he's like, great. I like the idea. You know, I've seen you throw. Um, yeah, sure. Give it a shot. And so for, for them, there's a, you know, it's no risk, I feel like. But for me, I feel like in my mind, it's a win-win. I always knew that at some point I wanted to try pitching. And this was the time. I'm living at home. I'm able to drive to Gwinnett. Those guys are going to be behind me. And so, I went on the development list in Gwinnett, which is just an extra list of a few players. And I took six weeks to work on it. Got into three games the last week of the season. I was able to do some cool things, spin the ball really well, get some swing and miss, strike some guys out. And, you know, that sparked that interest. Like, it was fun again for me, actually doing something new. It wasn't, I don't know, the... I've always had fun playing baseball, but once you get to a certain point where you're not playing any and you can kind of see where your path is going, hey, I'm going to change things up a little bit. I'm going to try pitching. And again, back to it, in my mind, it's a win-win. If if all these other guys can do it and not knocking them, but for me, with what I've been through in my career and for the people that have helped me along the way, I know that this is just one of those other obstacles that I'm willing to take on. And so – I think it's just best for me as a baseball player to go in all in as a pitcher. And if something happens and they say, hey, we need you to go fill in it short or left or first or taking it back, it's easier for me to do it that way. So here I am. I've been working at it for the past three months. I've been throwing a lot, um, learning a lot, and uh, it's kind of sparked a new fun for me in baseball. That's awesome. It's so good. So – would it be fair to say when you went to Gwinnett and you, you you make those free appearances and you take that time 
it was sort of okay let's see where it lands at the end of the year and then we'll we'll go from there and then if it if i really if it's working out well then i'm going to dive in which is obviously what you've you've done i mean you had to you had to feel like this was going to be a viable thing probably off of that the end of the season right yeah that was i think the the biggest test for me it was like hey let me get into a couple two or three games to see how it goes uh to see how i match up with everybody else with you know how baseball is so analytical now well from a pitcher standpoint you know you have the spin numbers you have vert numbers horizontal numbers movement this and that and now we have these numbers now you compare yourself and see how you you know line up with everybody um and for me in my mind that was kind of it for me it was like if this goes pretty well and something that i know i could do then i'm going to pursue it if I go out there and I'm throwing 85 miles an hour, can't throw a slider for a strike, everyone's barreling balls up on me, I'm walking guys, like then I can say I tried, but it was better than that. And so in my mind, I'm like, I can do this. And the you know Braves are going to give me another shot to go to spring training. And it's like, why not? I can show my kids that dad can go out there, do something different in baseball, overcome whatever it is, um, and then show other fans out there and other little kids that have looked up to me that, hey, you don't have to be bubbled into this certain mold of you're only this player. It's like, no, let's break out of that and show people that you can do other things, you know. And so I'm just trying to give myself a chance to continue because I know that I have more to give to baseball. Um, and when I'm done with baseball, I'm sure baseball won't miss me. Uh, but I know that I will miss the game. Um, but this has kind of, again, sparked a new fire and interest and challenge for me at a later age in my career. So that's why I'm doing it. I want to go back to when you talked to Alex um, about, you know, he said, I've, I've seen you throw. And I think you have about eight, eight or nine appearances as a pitcher in Major League Baseball. Obviously, the guy that comes in at the end of the game. Um, by the way, you know who your only strikeout is against? Yeah, Manuel Margot. All right, obviously. <laughs> yeah, slider, front door slider. What is, it? What is slider? Nice. Yeah, Sal Fasano. I asked him on the way out because, you know, as position players, you don't work on you, – you might throw some sliders and knuckleballs and what have you and, and catch play. Um, but you don't really – most guys don't really know the feel of throwing an off-speed pitch. Hmm. especially doing it on the mound. You can do it when you're just playing catch. But I was walking out before that inning, and I said, hey, Sal, you know, show me a slider grip. Different grips. He's like, hey, I hold it here and just rip it, whatever it was he said. And I went out there and uh, ended up breaking off a one-two slider. And luckily, Tyler Flowers framed it, and it was like painted inside corner. So that was awesome. You had never you had never thrown a slide. That was the first time you threw that – Obviously, I mean, I might have tried. I I tried before. I think I tried to DJ Mayhew the first my first appearance in 2018, and it was just kind of like a slow cutter. Yeah, yeah. I, I tried throwing a slider instead of just working off the grip and just letting it letting the grip do it. But uh, I think that was my first like legit slider that I tried. So uh, because you know, I go to Baseball Savant. I see your analytics with pitching, your appearances. But you must look back at those appearances now and 
after all the time and how you have evolved, I would imagine as a pitcher and say, Hey, you know what? Like I am. Yeah, sure. I got in the door with Alex Anthopoulos by showing that I could throw 90 miles an hour, but I'm so much better now because of when you work on anything, when you, you know, with all of this, it must be, it must be, I don't want to say it's night and day, but it must be so gratifying to say like how far you've come since you made the decision with Gwinnett through the off season, everything. Am I, am I wrong? Yeah, no, that's, that's pretty accurate. Um, I think the baseball savant stuff is really cool. I think all those appearances I had as a position player pitching, you know, some of those pitches like blended together. So like my fastball, I actually threw cutters too that might have blended with my fastball. Um, tried throwing a few sliders that might have blended in it and they picked up as curveballs. So like now that I've actually started pitching and when I got into games in September, excuse me. Um, even then some of those pitches blended together because I don't think the system actually knew that I threw cut fastballs. Like that was a separate pitch or I threw a slider instead of a curveball. Like now I think once the system knows like what pitches I throw and I get, have more volume, more data, then those pitches will be separated more because like, Sometimes I threw a cutter at 89, I threw a cutter at 93, and then I threw a fastball. It might have picked up that fast uh, cutter as a fastball. So now my fastball dropped down some. So little things like that. And I'm not too worried about that at all. Yeah. Um, I'm just more worried about being convicted with some of the pitches and grips that I've learned since I started and knowing that these pitches are really good for me and these pitches aren't. And then certain days you're going to be better throwing one off speed than the other and you have to rely on that. So just kind of one of those things that you learn as you go. So what, without giving away secrets, without giving away trade secrets, what, um, what type of pitcher are you? What have you learned? What pitchers like it? Maybe, maybe all of a sudden you become this, like a sweeper guy. I don't know. I mean, this, so what, what, what have you become as a pitcher and and if you want to give credit, I don't know who you're working with, but I would imagine that you're taking deep dives with some people who know a lot about pitching. So what has that been like? I think naturally I spin the ball very well with my fastball. Um, and then for me, it was like getting in depth with it. It's getting my spin efficiency up. And I think I'm able to spin the ball and the ball just jumps so I'll have good vert, good ride on it. Um, so the, like that's something that I need to use to my advantage. You know, there's been a lot of mechanical things that I've tried to work on to just clean things up, to move better down the mound, more efficient. Um, and, you know, being able to see other guys throw too to see how efficient they move. There's a reason why certain guys are so good because they do things so well on the mound. But for me, it's, I also think that just staying athletic, you know, being able to take ground balls at short and go to the outfield and throw, like take that feeling on the mound with a little different mindset, but not overthinking it. It's like still move, still be athletic. Um, and I think good things happen. Once you start thinking way too much, then you, you're not really yourself anymore. So there's our, there's obviously times this offseason where I've, I've dove into so many different things. But when I go back to just like, just grabbing the baseball and think about competing. And I think that's when the games start, you get that ad- adrenaline, you can compete again. 
a lot of that stuff goes away and you can, and you let that take over. Have you worked, have you been working with anyone specifically? Yeah, I've been uh, going to this baseball facility called uh, Maven Baseball Lab. Um, and Sean McLaughlin, who is former minor league pitcher with the Braves and Angels, he works with all the pitchers. So there's a big group of guys that come in, have a program, um, a throwing program through the last three months, and we just kind of follow it and do it together. That's that's awesome. So how again? How 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 much better are you now? As we're we're on the verge of base shape of our last <laughs> season, otherwise known as the first day of spring training. Um, yeah. How much better are you now than when you left Gwinnett? I'd like to say I'm a lot better, but yeah. it's like it's like this. It's like my first couple of pins were really, really good. And now that I've continued to throw so much, I've had to tell myself, like, it's okay if you're, like, a little tired. That's when you take a little break. Like, I don't need to be full go 100% January 23rd. I need to be somewhat full go and ready come the end of next month. So there's been times where it's been really good. And then other times where I've, like, felt tired, things aren't great, but then there's – things you can still learn from those days. Hey, I'm, I'm really trying. I'm putting in the work and effort, but maybe it's okay to back off a little bit and give your body a, a, a break. Or some days I found a slider that is nasty, and then my split change just wasn't as good. And then other days it's vice versa. So it's just a learning curve, you know, just figuring out what works, how your body works, how to take care of your body. And I've never thrown this much in the off season before as a position player. Usually it's like maybe around Christmas time, you start throwing first of the year for sure. And I kept throwing. I took like one or two weeks off and then jumped back into it at the end of October. And like, I've been throwing for almost three straight months. And so it's, it's different. It's different. (laughs) Is, have you talked to anybody who's tried to do this before? Because uh, if, if not, if not, I can put ago. you in touch with some people. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I talked to Frank Core a couple uh, a couple weeks ago, and I just kind of mentioned it to him, and he just kind of laughed. Uh, we didn't really get in depth with it, um, but he always had a good arm. I know he tried doing it with the Padres, I think, towards the end of his career. Um, but no, I haven't really talked to anybody else about it. Okay, it's yeah. and here's here's going back to the sort of a little league type question. Whenever you pitch, right, or whenever you're hit, you emulate yourself after probably your favorite major leaguer or a major leaguer. Yeah. Like who was your batting like who was your batting stance guy? Who was who was growing up? When I was a little kid when I was a little kid, it was Cal Ripken Jr. Which one which one? He had like fifty of them. All of them. All of them. Really? I mean, I I did the waggle. <laughs> I did every I did everything. Really? I mean, everyone tried Griffey. But I was yeah. right-handed. My yeah. swing wasn't as pretty as as Griffey's. But Cal Ripken was my batting stance guy. All right, all right. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to tell batting stance guy that so that he uh, he does the Charlie Culberson so when he does the Ripken. Yeah, it, it, perfect. It, yeah, so yeah, so so that leads me to pitching. You know, it's I could do when I was growing up. This is gonna. I'm gonna date myself, but you know, guys like when I was really young, like barely, I was negative numbers. Let's just say, uh, like Louis Tian or Dennis Eckersley or the big leg kicks or twirling or you know, yeah. like Louis Tian would be sort of like Johnny Cueto became. Um, 
You know, you do things. Is there anybody that, and I'm not saying you're going to be like that, but is there anybody that you found yourself, oh, kind of like that's how my pitching delivery is? Um, I haven't really dove that far into it to see, like, who I move like. Um, one guy that I love watching throw, even though I'm not going to do what he does to start, is Kimbrell. <laughs> I mean, Craig is just a short, strong, like, just a – strong-looking guy in a uniform, and he's always had a powerful arm, you know? So, like, I love just how he uses his body and how he finishes, and he's just a bulldog. So, like, my mindset, I kind of want to emulate Kimbrell. I mean, he's one of the best closers of, of all time, and and he's still playing. So, like, you know, why not? Uh, DeGrom would be really cool, but he's six, what, five, and – one of the best pitchers ever, too. He's the hardest guy to face. So, um, but trying to find a guy that I'm similar to. Um, again, I haven't looked too much into it, but like Kimberl kind of comes to mind with how he throws. But I think it's going to be really interesting when you when you go to um, uh, Northport. I get the spring training places mixed yeah. up. But when you go to Northport, and all of a sudden. You're you're on the daily schedule and you're with the pitchers and you're hanging out with the pitchers and now you're talking pitching and and that's the other cool part of this. And I know that it's not like you didn't talk to the pitchers before, but now you're in that group, you're watching each other play throw bullpens, you're talking to the pitching coach all the time. Yeah, have you thought of that's a pretty cool thing. That's gonna be a different thing too. Yeah, I think it brings you know the other side of baseball out. Um you know, I've been doing the other for 16 to 17 years. Now I get a chance to be on the pitching side. And I understand as a hitter, like how tough it is to hit these guys. And like as pitchers, like you don't have to be perfect. Like it's okay. Like you don't have to make the perfect pitch. Sometimes the perfect pitch isn't the best pitch. So like you don't have to kill yourself if it's looking at track man and making sure that every pitch is the exact same. It's just not going to be. You're moving so fast on the mound. Not everyone's going to have be able to make those perfect pitches all the time, so it's okay to mess up. But knowing that if you are off some, as long as you're convicted with what you're doing, it's okay. Like, good things will happen. It's a little easier to be more successful on the pitching side than it is on the hitting side. It is. If I'm, 30, if I'm successful 30% of the time on the pitching side, like, I'm not pitching anymore. Are you going to be nervous that first game? I mean, you've pitched in a major league game before, but maybe that yeah, first Yeah, maybe some butterflies, but – yeah, I mean, it, I think that's a good thing. I feel like if you have butterflies and you're kind of anxious, like that's a good thing. That's why you. That's why you do it. You're in this, even if, even if it is a bullpen. Like those are the reasons why I'm doing this. If I don't feel anything when I'm pitching, if I don't feel anything when I go out there the first big leagues from training game the pitch, then what? Then why am I doing it? It's like you want to feel the, those anxious butterfly feelings. If Clayton Kershaw says like. Hey, the days that I pitch, I still have those butterflies. There's a reason why, and he's a future Hall of Famer. That's a good thing. Mm. You got me jacked up for spring training. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I I hope you are. It sounds like you are. It's great. It's great. You know, it's like we talked, we began by like, why isn't baseball and boring falling in love with baseball and Little League and everything? But you said you're 35, right? 35, almost 35. 35 in April. 35 in April. I mean, this is. Sometimes this this is the best. This is the best part where you're just yeah. 
you have all this. And not only this, but you have – not only do you have the opportunity, but you have the opportunity because you're good at it. They're not going to let you do this unless you're good at it or you have the the, the signs that you can be good at it. So that's co- – all of it's right. cool. All of it's cool. So – um, so this, all right, I hope you, I hope you're jacked up for spring training. So let's go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as you get closer, it's always a weird, a weird time. Um, I'm married with three kids. It's always tough leaving. Um, but it's nice to know that like I will leave and I will be able to come back home too. So that's always a good thing. But yes, this is another year to go out there to obviously try your best to have fun, but to prove yourself and to keep proving yourself. And I feel like I've had to do that my whole career. So why not try it as a pitcher? I'm, I've already won. I've told myself I've already won and there's nothing to, nothing to lose now. And I feel like there's everything to gain. So I'm just going to give them all and I'll go back to it. You know, show my wife, show my kids that dad can do this. Dad can take on a new challenge and he's going to beat it. That's awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks so yeah. much, man. I really appreciate everything. It's, it's again, yeah. a great way to start the day. It is. Yeah. Well, awesome. I appreciate it. Um, it's always fun to talk about it, just to have words to come out to express how you're feeling about something. And another goal is just um, to keep playing. And, you know, I've had, a, I've had a pretty cool following in Atlanta, and people have been behind me. Um, I feel like more people have been behind me than not, which has been, which has been great, but just to show kids like it's okay to be and to do different. Um, and just because it's not easy, doesn't mean it's not worth it. And to, I hope that at least one person can watch me in my journey and say like, Hey, if Charlie can do it, then I can do it. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.